Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. So we're starting a new series. Yay, who's excited? New, new series. That's right. All right. And it's called The Unexpected Neighbor. Which, who has heard that phrase before? Anyone? Yeah? A little bit? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's start with a story about neighbors. This takes place in Utah. So there was a woman, and she was an ex-Mormon who had deconstructed from her Mormon faith. And she came out as bisexual when she was 38. She donned a a rainbow pride flag outside of her home in Utah, but it kept falling down because she hadn't really secured it very well. So it just, every day she would see her flag had fallen down and she'd just put it back, no big deal. Um, So one day she noticed that it had been installed properly with a flag holder, you know, the kind you, you get and probably on Amazon. <laughs> and so one day she noticed that it had been secured. The flag had been secured. Who was the culprit? Or who was the doer of this good deed. She checked her ring doorbell footage, as we do, to see what had happened on her front doorstep. And she noticed that it was her neighbor across the street who had crossed the street and with her husband and come over to secure uh, her pride flag. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is that her neighbors were still very active in the Mormon church. The religion that she had deconstructed from and found her way out of. But here, these neighbors were showing up. And that day, their love, their neighborly love, was more important than anything else that divided them. They were connected as neighbors. When she realized this had happened, she ran across the street so surprised that these Mormon neighbors had hung up her pride flag. And she cried and she hugged them and she said, I'm so, I, I'm so grateful for, for this. And they said, we love you and we know that you love this flag. Unexpected neighbor. I wonder if it's not really too difficult to be labeled as an unexpected neighbor these days when just showing up as a neighbor at all is pretty unexpected. With so many divisions and assumptions and boxes to fit in and judgments that we make, it seems that our fences have grown higher and our faith hasn't grown deeper. We need a deep faith that widens our hearts to become true neighbors as Christ calls us to be. It's this cycle of othering, you see, that happens that us humans are really good at doing. We're really good at making assumptions about another person. And before we know it, these assumptions, these judgments become rigid so rigid that love can't creep in and cross the street and surprise you. 
So the street in Jerusalem on the way to Jericho was not like a suburban street in Utah. (laughs) It was much more treacherous to cross, the street you're going to hear about in this story. The whole road between Jerusalem and Jericho was not a fun road. You did not want your Uber driver to take that path. You did not want your tire to go flat on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. But none of that could happen, obviously. You know, I'm just being silly with cars. There there were no cars at this point. But like I said, it was really a treacherous road and anything could happen, especially if you were traveling it alone. So I want you to hear this story. It's from the Gospel of Luke and it's gonna be the passage that really grounds us in this next series about being an unexpected neighbor. You might recognize it as the story of the Good Samaritan. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he said, Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more than you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The unexpected neighbor. So he was in the ditch. He fell into the ditch in this situation after being robbed. And it, it was the religious folks that helped him out, right? The, the preachers stopped to care, right? The pastor made sure to offer pastoral care. No, 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 no. This powerful story shows us what a real unexpected neighbor looks like. Because it wasn't the priest, the religious expert, and it wasn't the Levite who we might think of as the associate pastor. Guess what? He walks on by too. But it's the Samaritan who shows empathy. 
Samaritans were not seen as friends of the Jews. They were outsiders, but it's this outsider who seems to have a grip on the insides of God's heart. Even more than the people who had spent a lot of time on the inside of the temple. It was a Samaritan, an outsider to the tradition, who shows the mercy of Christ. Do you hear that? Spending time in the temple doesn't always teach you about the insides of God's heart. You have to get outside of the walls of tradition to truly adventure into God's mercy. Because our God is a God that lives and acts and loves in unexpected places. This this passage will be our anchor over the few weeks. We'll explore a few different passages as well. But it'll be the one that anchors us in this idea of the unexpected neighbor. Did you know that our icon, the umbrella man, is based on this passage? Did you know that? Who knew that? Anybody here? Okay, a lot of, some people. It's such an important visual for us in our community. It has inspired us. It's part of our history, this umbrella man icon. And I know that it will always be part of who we are. Even though things may change, I think that this visual will stay with us. It may evolve and we may grow in different ways but it's such an important image and it's such an important part of our history. We are even in the process of trademarking it for Pete's sake. (laughs) And I won't tell you about how hard that process is. (laughs) It's actually gonna be fine. But before we trademark it, before all the paperwork comes through, let's sit with a minute with this powerful image. And let's remember something. Let's remember that this icon is just the beginning for us. The umbrella man is the beginning of our journey with Jesus. It's not a proud destination we've arrived at where we've learned how to be welcoming and accepting and we're finished, we're done. We have the trademarked label. No, 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 it's a beautiful part of our story, but it's just the beginning. It's an inspiration for us, a sign of God's mercy at work in this community. And that mercy keeps going. Let's be a faith community that is always learning how to be an unexpected neighbor. Never too comfortable that we've arrived as the umbrella man who has everything figured out. Let's instead let this be a holy sign of our continued growth in Jesus. A reminder of the ongoing, challenging journey of being a neighbor and receiving the hospitality of other neighbors who might surprise us with God's grace. Could they really bear God's grace to me? This path of being the unexpected neighbor 
will be a treacherous road, almost as treacherous as the road to Jericho. There might be some ditches. There might be some dangers. There might be some costs and some risks of being a disciple of Jesus. We might cross roads that we weren't prepared to cross. And we might be saved in a ditch by someone we weren't expecting to offer us mercy. It would be tempting to see this icon, this umbrella man icon, as proof that we, are, we ourselves are always the good Samaritan in the story. <laughs> us, us lied people, we're, we're the good Samaritan, right? Or we're striving to be like him. We might, we might fail sometimes, but the idea is that we're the ones striving to be the good Samaritan, the one that always crosses the road and helps out those in need, the one that extends the umbrella. But what if we wind up in a ditch? What if, my friends, we are not the saviors, but we are sometimes the ones that need saving? What if God's kingdom is one where we are interdependent with each other? And we sometimes receive God's presence from those who are unexpected. You see, dear Life in Deep Elm, we are sometimes going to be receiving the umbrella over our head from someone we didn't expect to receive it from. This passage has been, I think, watered down by the church to just be about a story to be a good person, just be a good Samaritan, be a good citizen, an upstanding human. But it's so much more than that, this passage. I remember in college there was the Good Samaritan rule where if someone was too intoxicated, you could report them and help them get the emergency care they needed and you wouldn't have to risk your own role in getting them in trouble. And my college called it the Good Samaritan rule. I know, interesting. But I kind of think that, that encapsulates a lot of how this parable has been watered down to just be about a person who does a good thing. And don't you all hope we'd be decent enough to help a stranger that we see has just been robbed and mugged? We, we would hope that we could all be a decent human being, but it's not called the decent human being story. And the phrase good Samaritan isn't even in this passage. We've added that like we like to do. I think it's more about inflection when we hear this phrase. From now on, when you hear this phrase, I want you to hear it like this. Instead of just the good Samaritan that we're trying to be, I want you to hear it like this. The good Samaritan? I'm serious. Because that's the power of this story. It's an unexpected neighbor who carries signs of God's grace. 
It's someone that these Jewish leaders had othered. They had said, you should be left out. They weren't singing the song we're singing, no one should be left out. They had a clear idea of who was favored by God and who was not favored, who knew the rules and who didn't know the rules. And Samaritans weren't in. They weren't Jewish. They weren't part of the fold. They were unchurched, if you will. So when we hear this phrase, we could hear it as this, the good Samaritan, the church-going atheist, the Christian transgender person, the evolving fundamentalist. See how our labels, they lose their power with the spirit of Christ. Surprising things happen when we believe that everyone can be part of God's story, even those that we have labeled and othered and assumed have nothing to do with God's mercy. We might just find a neighbor who has crossed the street and surprised us with compassion, blurring all those lines that we worked really hard to hold up. These Jewish leaders discovered this day by the good news of Jesus that Samaritan meant more than what they thought it could mean. Their boxes were too small. Their judgments were too quick. And lest we just think that it was just those ancient Jewish leaders that do this kind of judging, lest we believe we are always the good Samaritan, Let's remember that we all have judgments and assumptions about others that God's mercy can change. We all have ways that we assume, labels that we cling to, judgments that we worship more than we worship Jesus. And Jesus didn't ask us to do that. He didn't ask us to be too concerned with who is in and who's out. Instead, he asked us to go and love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what else? Love your neighbor as yourself. So we better get busy doing that. <laughs> huh. There will always be things that distract us from that. But I think that that's the whole point. Let us not be too distracted by anything else, not even our own identity as a faith community, which we love. Of course, we love life in deep Elam, but the gospel isn't centered to lie. Right? The gospel is about Jesus. And sure, we are here in this unique faith community, this unique incarnation of God's kingdom. But this can't be another box. Okay? 
It can't be another box that we're in and we're trying to get other people to come in. And it can't be a box that we kick people out of because that wouldn't be the kingdom of God. Jesus expanded and challenged their notions of who was holy and who was capable of carrying the good news. Remember, it's always imperfect, unexpected people who show God's grace. Because if God's grace isn't for one person, if, it's, if it excludes anyone, it's not true grace. God's grace is for everybody or nobody at all. This is good news for us today. It really is good news. Because I, my hope and prayer is that this faith community will be a place of interdependence. Not I save you or you save me, but that we lean on each other and we're changed by each other. That diversity makes us stronger. Different perspectives bless us. But we are rooted in the love of Christ, the acceptance of Christ. And this is a place where your biases and assumptions, you might have to have a softer grip on those here in God's neighborhood. You might even find yourself letting go of your judgments completely to the point where you see people as people beloved and created by God, not whatever label you put on this. And a good way to practice this is when you find yourself just out at a restaurant or going through the drive-through. And I want you to think about, do, when, you, when you go through the drive-thru, do you think, oh, this is, this is just my cashier. This is just my person delivering my Uber Eats. Or do you see them as a beloved child of God? Really start to practice this. Because before you know it, all those labels that society puts on people will float away and you'll just see people who are loved by God. Because that's what God sees when God looks at us. God doesn't see the labels, the shame, the mistakes, the stereotypes. God just sees what God has created and called good. This is what it means to be part of God's neighborhood. And it gets even a little more challenging because once we start paying attention, once we start looking both ways while we cross the road, once we start being willing to receive the grace of someone else, God will keep on working in our hearts. Because remember, there's no destination. We won't arrive at this thing. We will keep growing in it. Like, like the song we sing says, we're all late bloomers when it comes to love. We'll never perfect this. But we better get busy 
doing it, trying it, practicing it. Dr. King had a really insightful critique of this parable, and I want to read something that he says to challenge us even a little more. He said this, on the one hand, we are called to play Good Samaritan on life's roadside, but that will only be an initial act. One day, we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It's not haphazard or superficial. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. It's a very insightful critique and one that we'll keep chewing on in the coming weeks. And I think this means that we must not only get used to extending the umbrella, but we must start to care about why some people are getting drenched in the first place. And others seem to be dry at all times. You see, we'll start to care about where the water's coming from. And what we can do to sustainably stop it. Like I said, this icon, this vision, it's going to keep growing and evolving. And Jesus will keep teaching us new things through it. I'm excited to see how you see this icon in different ways after this series. And you can tell me what you, what you learn and think. So sometimes following Jesus is going to look like this. And this is the image we're, we're used to, right? It's on our building, on our website. The Good Samaritan. But what I also want you to remember is that sometimes following Jesus is having the humility and the mercy and the curiosity to also receive. This is an umbrella person too. Receiving the grace of God from an unexpected neighbor. So keep your eyes out for an unexpected neighbor. Amen. What's that?